If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 136 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about those Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on the 10th day of April in the year 2022. And most importantly, happy opening day weekend, my friends, and happy Palm Sunday. Happy, happy, happy. Finally. (laughs) Uh, So what's going on, guys? Other than everything. (laughs) Holy Moses. Crazy, crazy days, I tell you. So it is opening weekend. It is a holiday, at least if you're Catholic or Christian, the holiday of Palm Sunday. We've got baseball back. Even Easter is next Sunday, of course, which, by the way, I guess I should knock out this announcement now since I just mentioned Easter next Sunday. Just a quick little announcement, but next Sunday, there will not be a Yapping Yankees episode. I know, not a very good note to start the episode off on just in my first few sentences of the day, (laughs) but there's not going to be a Yapping Yankees episode next Sunday. I should just knock that out right away since I already mentioned Easter. Easter is obviously a massive holiday, even for people outside of the Catholic and Christian faiths, but it's a huge holiday, and you know what, I've done enough holiday episodes of this show, first of all, (laughs) second of all, the grind has never stopped for years now, but especially lately, I've just been going non-stop, so I really just like a weekend to myself, and with my immediate family to relax and enjoy the holiday, and oh hell, I don't need an explanation, (laughs) no episode next Sunday, okay? Uh, You've gotten so much yapping Yankees these last three years overall. Even these last three months in a row since I came back from my few weeks long hiatus. So you guys are fine if I take a week off every once in a blue moon. (laughs) So no episode next Sunday on Easter. But I will be back, of course, with episode 137 the next Sunday on the 24th. So don't worry, it's just taking a week off enjoying the Easter holiday, as you should too, and also enjoying, obviously, a fantastic baseball game that day too, hopefully weather permitting. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> you know what I was thinking yesterday? Just, just a little bit of a thought, and I even tweeted about it. I, I guess this is just a part of my disbelief that baseball is actually back. Just a thought that I had, but I even tweeted this. But it really has been, it's been so long since baseball was around, like a half a year plus. And and it's still so surreal that it's back that honestly, yesterday, I forgot that the Yankees are back, like legitimately back every single day. Like it was the earlier part of the day yesterday. The game obviously didn't start until four o'clock yesterday. And it literally just hit me in the earlier part of the day. I was like, holy crap, there's another game today. <laughs> And it hit me in that moment that the lockout just really must have emotionally damaged me. (laughs) I mean, 
<laughs> How could I have forgotten this? I've never been like that at the beginning of any baseball season. I mean, yeah, my excitement and my just general disbelief every year that baseball's back after a bunch of months. Sometimes I forget, yeah, oh yeah, there's another game today because baseball's back. But never on that scale. I mean, I totally forgot that, hey, there's another game today. (laughs) The lockout really did some damage to me internally. It really, really did. It really hit me in that moment that, wow, the lockout really just effed me up, didn't it? <laughs> ah, today's about celebration, though, my friends. Happiness, because baseball is back. As surreal as it feels, at least to me, like I just said internally in my own head yesterday, <laughs> just forgetting that there is a Saturday baseball game on just after opening day Friday. But as surreal as it may feel for you, especially if it does feel as surreal for you as it does for me, it is the truth. Baseball is back (laughs) and we are gonna have ourselves a great episode today as always guys there is plenty to hit on that i'll just dive into right away right here in the introduction before the return i should say of our weekly recap segment which happens during the season and postseason, of course, which is just a brief run-through of each game's big moments from the past week of whichever episode happens to be that week. So today, we'll run through yesterday and Friday's game on opening day. Thursday was rained out, of course, so it was just pushed back to Friday. So only two regular season games so far, and honestly, it still would have been that way even if they played on Thursday, because Friday was set to be an off day as per usual, as annoying as that is, having an off day right after opening day. But this year it worked out because there had to be a rain out on Thursday, so they just pushed it back to Friday. So in any event, regardless, we will be recapping the first two regular season games for the Yankees and how exciting they both were. Later tonight is the final game of the three-game set against Boston, since at the time I'm recording, it's only the afternoon. And tonight's game isn't until 7 o'clock on ESPN. And by the time I release this episode, that game will be done. I'm not releasing it until after the game ends, which you will see on social media, of course, and I'm blasting it out all over the place, like I always do every week. But at the time I'm recording right now, the game has not even started yet, and it's not even close to starting. It's not starting for another, like, five or six hours from when I'm recording right now, so there's still plenty of time, and I'm not releasing it until after it is over, just so you know. But I'll just hit on what happened news-wise this past week. I'll hit on some things, and then we'll recap the first two games of the Yankees' 2022 season, and then wrap things up as usual with this week's social media segment. So some main points from this past week. The Yanks did make a couple more small depth moves. They traded for another pitcher, David McKay, with the Rays, just for cash considerations. So more pitching depth for the Yankees, and just a little history on David McKay. He hasn't pitched since 2020, and before that, there's not really many good stats to show for, but you know what? It's it's depth. It's pitching depth, and at the end of the day, it's just for cash considerations, so it, it's totally fine as far as I'm concerned, and I, I've been waiting for days to talk about this one. The return of a familiar face, a face that brings about a lot of, let's say, passion (laughs) in the Yankees fan base. (laughs) Greg 
Bird. Remember him? <laughs> Highly anticipated and prior to getting hurt every four seconds, even skilled first baseman for the Yanks. Made a big difference in the unforgettable 2017 postseason run, especially with that huge second-deck home run into right field at the stadium against the Indians off Andrew Miller in the ALDS. And since then, he's done nothing but bounce around from team to team and get injured? (laughs) Well, Bird has returned to the Yankees on a minor league deal. After a promising spring training, believe it or not, had a very promising spring training with the Blue Jays during the spring, and some of you might have even heard, even a really good year in AAA last year in the Rockies system with their AAA affiliate. Now, granted, it's AAA, but certainly better than anything we've seen from him in probably give or take a half a decade (laughs) since all the promise with the Yanks from 2015 to 2017-ish. I mean, I used to love Bird. I really did. I saw so much potential in him when Judge, him, and Gary all came up within the same year or two within each other from when they all came up. I I used to love Greg Bird. I loved how good he was at first base. I thought he was going to be a perfect guy for Mark Teixeira to pass off the torch to for first base. And I was just so psyched about it. And then we all know what happened later on, (laughs) a couple years later. But anyways, he just serves as a depth piece in the minors for now, so I'm, I'm fine with it. But it, it certainly stirs up a lot of old feelings for a lot of people. With all the promise, hype, the good moments even. But then ultimately ended up being a bust because of his complete inability to stay healthy. So Bird is back. That's definitely another point that a lot of people spoke a lot about this past week because, again, stirs up a lot of old emotions throughout the fan base. Also from this past week, the final 28-man roster was set. And we spoke a bunch about that last week and even the week before that, maybe even the week before that, just speculating on what they were going to do. And I did end up being right about feeling like they were going to go with the 16 pitchers and the 12 hitters to combine for the 28-man roster. I, It just seemed like that they were really going in that direction. I predicted that they would, and they did. I just really felt they were going to lean that way, especially since the Yanks themselves even kept on saying they felt like they might. And I got some guesses right about who would fill out certain spots that people weren't 100% sure about. Like Marinaccio getting one of the extra spots, I was right about that. And Marwin Gonzalez making it, but a lot of us predicted that. He just really had a killer spring and really deserved that spot, at least I thought. And then I did get some things wrong, like Tim LaCastro not making it, for instance, which really surprised me. Despite the Yanks going 16-12 and 12 and therefore losing their bench spot, or a bench spot. But he's a solid bench piece with versatility, great speed. And they gave him a major league deal and they brought him back in the spring. So I was just a bit surprised about that. But again, they did lose a bench piece because they went 16-12. So I guess they had to cut somebody. And Marwin Gonzalez, I think, was was more deserving. He had a killer spring. So not to mention he could play six or seven different positions. So I was a bit surprised about that, though. I really thought that LaCastro would make it somehow. And also, one other thing I got wrong... They decided to go with J.P. Sears 
instead of Manny Banuelos, like I took a wild guess on. I really, I just, I don't know, I speculated that Banuelos might make the team, but they went with J.P. Sears, which is fine. They seem to be deciding on who would get that last extra spot, and the two extra spots that I predicted were Ron Marinaccio, which again, that was the one I got right, and then I predicted Banuelos, but Sears got it instead. And they were deciding, and they chose Sears, so that's fine. But anyways, here's the total final 28-man roster that the Yankees chose heading into the 2022 season. Pitchers, Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, Jordan Montgomery, Jameson Tyone, Nestor Cortez. That's your starting rotation, at least for now. Aroldis Chapman, Chad Green, Clay Holmes, Michael King, Jonathan Loisica, Lucas Litke, Wandy Peralta, Miguel Castro, new pickup from the Mets in that trade, J.P. Sears, Ron Marinaccio, and Clark Schmidt. So Clark Schmidt ended up making it as well. So really the only other thing that I mentioned there that's a surprise that I didn't mention before was Clark Schmidt being there. So that was a nice surprise, and hopefully he gets his chance and gets to prove himself a bit more because, again, in the past in the majors, he hasn't really done too well in the couple of starts he's gotten here and there. So... And of course, he's also got to prove that he can stay healthy because he has had a myriad of injuries. It has been nonstop for him over the years. So for the most part, no surprises at all with the pitchers, except for J.P. Sears making it again. Thought maybe that Bonuelos would get it, but it's okay. And Clark Schmidt making it. Catchers, of course, Kyle Higashioka and Jose Trevino. No surprise there since Rortved is still working his way back. Infielders, Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Glaber Torres, Anthony Rizzo, DJ LeMahieu, and Marwin Gonzalez on the bench for depth. No surprise there at all either. And the outfielders, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Gallo, and Aaron Hicks. So no surprises there as well, except for, of course, Tim LaCastro not making it because they did end up going with the 16 pitchers and 12 hitters, making up the 28-man. So that was the Yankees' final 28-man roster that they set heading into opening day. And last but certainly not least, the most spoken about, what should I call it, event, let's call it that, from this past week, (laughs) is the contract extension drama with Aaron Judge which obviously had the opening day deadline attached to it because then Judge said at that point he just wants to concentrate on the season. But they did, the Yankees being, they did give him an offer, as they said they would prior to opening day or at opening day, just before the deadline, and that offer was seven years, $213.5 million, so about $30.5 million a year, AAV, annual average, Not too far from what I predicted, so that's pretty cool, but also with a year and $17 million worth of arbitration money attached to it as well. So you add that up, that's eight years, $230.5 million. Would have been the highest annual average either way for a Yankee position player, ever. And Judge turned it down, as we all well know by now. Now, my thoughts on this, just for a second, are that I truthfully, honestly, think that that offer was fair. I do. And this is really showing yet again, by the way, my objectivity. That I could be objective and non-biased, always. Because guys, I freaking love Aaron Judge, as I've said a million times. But that length on the contract 
And when you add all of it up, about 30 million, a bit more than 30 million per year, for someone who, not, not for nothing, while last year and 2017 especially were terrific seasons, not taking anything away from those years, but while those seasons were what they were, terrific seasons, he didn't have much more time to show his true potential for consecutive years thanks to injuries. Whether they be his fault or not, like in the case of 2018 with his wrist not being his fault, of course. But again, for someone who, while last year and 2017 were terrific seasons, didn't have much more time to show his true potential thanks to injuries. I mean, you really look at all that. But while also acknowledging the terrific player we know he is when he is on the field. When those factors balance itself out, guys, I honestly think that this offers fine. Factoring in the years of injuries, but also acknowledging how amazing last year and 2017 were, and acknowledging how terrific of a player we know he is when he is on the field. When that balances out, that offer is fair to me, personally. But, at the same time, I know Judge probably believes that he can probably get closer to, or maybe even at or over $250 million in free agency. And who knows, maybe he will. He doesn't seem to be afraid at all to test the free agent market, nor should he be. And nor should he settle. Like I've said so often, one of the many unfortunate facts of sports and life overall nowadays, honestly, is that it all revolves around money. It's a business. We've all heard it so many times that it should be making us nauseous by now. And yes, the fact that it all does revolve around money freaking sucks. But that's the way that it is. As much as I hate it. And if Judge can get more elsewhere, then he's going to want to at least try to test that market out. And again, he should. It's his right. My personal feelings on it all, aside from the fact that I think that offer was fair, I'm not too nervous about this right now, believe it or not. And also, I think people need to be reminded of this too. Him hitting free agency doesn't guarantee that he's gone. And I'd like to think that whatever offer he would receive elsewhere, he would at least give the Yankees the chance to match. And in that event... (laughs) especially because of the Yankees' unwillingness to blow the checkbook open this past offseason, majorly because of their thoughts of having to pay Judge, the Yankees had better do the right thing and secure him. Otherwise, losing him is an awful look all around, no matter how you spin it, simply because of what he brings to this team on and off the field. And, even from a business standpoint, how much money he provides for this organization because of his recognition and popularity. From a marketing standpoint, a business standpoint, you have to factor that in too. And if you do let him go, you will have let him walk after not spending big this past offseason with wanting to pay him being a major reason for not spending big this past offseason. It would just be a brutal look for the New York Yankees to let him walk all around. It would look terrible.
And I cannot stress and emphasize that word enough. Terrible. So, since an agreement between these two sides was not reached by judges' opening day imposed negotiating deadline, well, where do they go from here, you might ask? Well, I guess for this year, they come to an agreement on salary as easily as possible, hopefully avoiding an arbitration hearing and this whole thing getting ugly. You don't want that at all. So you hope they agree on salary for this season as easily as possible. And then when he hits free agency, you hope the Yankees do the right thing when he tests out the market. That's where it goes right now because it sounds like Judge is going to be heading to free agency next winter in 2022 going into 2023. And again, right now, while I thought that the deal was fair, or the offer was fair, and with the thought that the Yanks better ultimately do the right thing, and just having confidence that they just would not let this man walk, and and just feeling like that they would never let him go, those two thoughts combined with all the other thoughts I gave, despite all of them, again, I'm not flipping out right now. I mean, really the only part that I truly, really disliked was that I just, I really didn't like how this all had to be aired out on opening day. It's like the CBA negotiations. How long you had for these discussions and negotiations to take place and hopefully reach an agreement at the end. How long you had. And then you run it up right to the established deadline and then you air it out publicly upon said deadline. Especially on a day like opening day. I hate that crap, as I'm sure you do too. Some people didn't let it put that much of a damper on their opening day. I didn't let it put too much of a damper on it, but it, it, it inevitably had that little part of your head going, oh my God, that had to happen today amidst all my excitement and thrill that baseball's finally returned after a hellish winter this past offseason. I mean, it's inevitable. I didn't let it ruin my day, but inevitably... In the back of my mind, as I'm sure it was like this for the rest of you, that was there a little bit. Like, it really just had to happen on opening day. That's really just what you were telling yourself. At least that's what I was telling myself. So, that that's the only crap that I really, really just have little to no patience for at all. All the time that there was. And then it has to be aired out on opening day. And not have an agreement reached on top of that. Just It's just not fun. <laughs> it's not fun for any fan to have to follow and then deal with after the fact. Just have a press conference about it and just air it out publicly. It's just, it's crap. It's crap. So, let's just hope it all works out. But because of how much time there still is left and because I just really find it hard to imagine for all those reasons that I mentioned and maybe even more. It's just hard to imagine the Yanks letting letting him go, and I know how much Judge wants to be here, even though, of course, money also happens to play a massive role. I, I just can't see Judge leaving. If he does, I'll be shocked and, and outraged, of course. But that's—I'm not going to let myself get psychotic about that yet because we don't know what's going to happen. That's more of a we'll-cross-that-bridge-when-we-get-to-it scenario. <laughs> so, for now, I'm not flipping out about it. I'll get a little bit more nervous, if that, if anything, by the time the offseason rolls around, maybe, and offers are flying at him from a bunch of teams, the Yankees being one of them, and his future just seems uncertain, and it starts getting to us a lot and gets us nervous and all that crap. But until then, I'm remaining calm. I'm not flipping out about it. I'm not going to overreact to anything. We'll see what happens. 
And let's just hope in the meantime, before all this free agent chaos with Judge comes to fruition in the offseason, that this season he's able to concentrate well, that they can agree easily on a salary for him this season, and that he kicks ass and helps lead the Yankees as far as they can possibly go, hopefully, of course, to a World Series championship for the first time since 2009. That's what you hope for for now. So that's what I'm focused on for now. We'll cross that other bridge when we get to it. And for now, let's just hope that it ultimately works out as smoothly as possible. That is my level-headed approach for the week. Despite having my opinions and my thoughts on the matter, that's ultimately how I feel. I'm not flipping out about it. We'll see how it goes. Let's just hope it goes well. And let's just concentrate on the season for now. Just like Judge's approach is, which is why he enacted that deadline for opening day. Now he just wants to focus on the season. And hopefully they just freaking agree on a salary for this season as easily as possible. And not go to a freaking hearing and make this thing ugly for no reason. (laughs) And by the way, one last thing really quick before we get to the recap. One last thing. There was another awesome, awesome announcement from this past week. But it was also announced a few days ago that CC Sabathia has been named special assistant to the commissioner. And CeCe's job will be to address areas important to the future of the sport, including player relations, diversity, equity and inclusion, social responsibility, youth participation, and broadcasting. So that is freaking cool, man. And aside from his job description, I mean, it's just phenomenal to finally have someone who we know gives an iota of a damn about the game of baseball being in a high position within the league. This is news that every baseball fan should be thrilled about, maybe except for Rays fans because of what he did towards the end there with the that's for you, bitch, hit by pitch ejection. (laughs) But who knows? I mean, just an idea to start things off with him just taking the job just now. Maybe a sort of first action sort of a thing here, just because it's been something on my mind that's had me absolutely outraged. But despite how unlikely this is because of how much money is involved in this sort of a thing, but maybe he could even help convince league officials to get rid of these money-grubbing, fan-alienating TV deals with these freaking streaming platforms like Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV, whatever the hell else. Only allowing people to access the games on those platforms alone, even if they don't have them. And if you don't have it, I guess, or you don't know how to use it, to hell with you. Wanting to expand the popularity of the sport and just making it more and more difficult. Every year, managing to constantly find new ways to make it even more complicated to access the product. Yet these people want to grow the game and expand the popularity and they make it harder and harder for you to access the freaking product every single year. They manage to find new ways to do this. Maybe he can help fight this sort of a thing. I mean, part of his job description is future of the sport, right? Including the popularity of said sport and ensure its continuation as best as possible. Maybe this is one of the things that he could tackle. Who knows? But it's just an idea. little Yapping Yankees mini rant right there based on something that's been on my mind for a while now since this was announced that Major League Baseball made these deals with the streaming platforms just to make even more freaking money and have games go on at 11 in the morning only available on Amazon Prime Video or Apple TV Plus or wherever the hell they're airing these games on any other streaming platform. Just so the streaming platforms can make more money from people accessing and and purchasing their product just so they could watch a few games on there. 
and Major League Baseball can make some money from the streaming platforms because they're having their products streamed on there, so the platforms are paying them. And then, of course, the people who suffer are the fans, like always, like we've always established, because if they're only going to be available on these platforms, these, I don't know, couple of dozen games per team that'll be on these platforms now for the rest of the year, if they're only on these platforms and a fan doesn't know how to use it or they don't want to spend any more money on another platform because look at all the other expenses that we regular citizens have to spend our money on every day as it is. And now we have to spend on other streaming platforms on top of that just to access some games. And if we don't want to, then to hell with us. I guess we're just missing a couple of dozen games on television. I guess I'll just listen on the radio. (laughs) So maybe he can help out with that. Just uh, diehard fan alienating by the league, just the continuation of that every single season since they just spectacularly continue to find new ways to do this every year, and it never fails. But anyways, I got away from this main subject matter. The main subject matter was that I wanted to say that this was awesome news all around that CeCe was hired into this position. It's freaking awesome, despite my mini rant about my anger with these streaming platform deals. And I just wanted to say, congratulations to CeCe on getting this position. It's freaking awesome. And I'm so happy for him, and honestly, I'm happy for the sport. Because it can only mean something good when there's finally someone within the damn league who gives a single crap about the sport and about the product as a whole. So congratulations to CeCe Sabathia. Okay! For the first time in about six or seven months, it is time to jump into that yapping Yankees time machine back to opening day on Friday and catch ourselves up to today, recapping the first two games of the season. Let's freaking go. It has been quite a while since we heard that now, hasn't it, my friends? Nonetheless, it is good to finally have the weekly recap segment back. So opening day, Friday, and what a way it was to kick off the season, my friends. I saw someone on Twitter say that the Yanks and Sox should kick off the season against each other every year. And you know what? I'm inclined to agree with that. (laughs) But opening day... Despite having to see the game end partially thanks to the runner on second and extras trash, which some had forgotten and didn't even know, had been conveniently reenacted just before or around the start time of spring training for this season. But despite that, opening day was a wild game. Garrett Cole started the game for the Yanks, of course, against Nathan Nivaldi, the Red Sox opening day starter, and Nathan Nivaldi, obviously a former Yankee, and since he's left the Yankees, especially since he went to the Red Sox, he has killed the Yankees. So the fact that Garrett Cole went out there in the first inning and gave up three runs to the Red Sox, not only in the first inning, but without getting a single out, the mood for the Yankees was already just shot. Because you're saying Evaldi kills them. It's going to be tough to get even three runs back. And especially with how things went in the wild card game at Fenway Park 
to end 2021, which plenty of Yankee fans, rightfully so, still have a bad taste in their mouth over. Right when Garrett did that in the first inning, I mean, you were hearing the booze come out right away for him. Right away. And the whole thing about whether or not he was bothered by the Billy Crystal pregame ceremony, the first pitch, the ceremonial first pitch being thrown out by him and him taking too long and Garrett Cole hollering out to the mound, basically trying to hurry up the whole thing, throwing out off his concentration. I mean, I know I know pitchers get into their regiment and and they have their routine in their mind, but dude, is really a couple of minutes extra that's really going to throw off your whole game to the point where you give up three runs and you can't even get a single out in the first inning? I mean, not to sound like an insensitive ass, but what, what are you, a princess? Come on. That's a little ridiculous. And by the way, this is coming from someone who is a huge fan of Garrett Cole. I don't mean to insult the guy. And I get the pitchers get into their heads and they have their regiment, they have their routine. And I understand it. I do. I was never a pitcher so that I don't, I don't understand, understand, but I understand from what pitchers have said and hearing them discuss their routine and hearing them discuss their little quirks here and there. Everybody has their quirks. I get it. I know. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> That's a little... If if all it takes to throw you off your game is a ceremonial first pitch going a little bit long, you got to reevaluate a couple of things, my man. You have to. I mean, I don't... I don't really like to bring this up, but a lot of people already did. They were like, come on, all the money you're getting paid, and that's really all that it takes to get into your head and mess you up a little bit, throw you off your game. I don't know. He wouldn't be the first pitcher in baseball history to be thrown off by something considered by many others to be minuscule. I mean, it's happened to many pitchers before, and then other pitchers are completely unfazed by it. I guess I guess that's all it takes to throw Garrett off if that was, in fact, what did throw him off. But I don't know. So he went out there in the first inning in any event, gave up three runs right away before he could blink. I mean, the game started and, and it felt like not a second went by before it was 3 nothing Boston already. Two-run homer by Devers and an RBI double by J.D. Martinez. Before you knew it, that happened. Fortunately for the Yankees, though, not only was the offense ever so resilient on opening day and made this a thrilling game in itself... But Garrett did settle down after that in the first inning. The first inning was a mess. But then he only did end up going four innings. You're not going to see much of anybody go deep into a game right to start the season, especially with a shortened spring, because they don't want them to throw too many pitches to start off and get them injured right away. So Garrett did only go four innings, but and he did only allow those three runs, but all the damage was done in the first inning. Innings two, three, and four were scoreless. He really just locked in after that. So he improved and he got through it. And in the bottom of the first, the Yankees did answer right back with a two-run nuke by Anthony Rizzo, who, by the way, to start the season, my boy, Forza Rizzo, (laughs) he is looking great between his home run on opening day here, his bomb of a home run in yesterday's game, and his defense so far already is just stellar. My guy is shutting people up already. And yes, you might be saying, oh, Mike, I thought you would have rathered Matt Olson." I mean, it's statistically true that he is younger, he's still under team control, and he's a terrific defender with unbelievable offense. You can't debate that. But what did I say also when they brought back Rizzo? That I was highly understanding of the first base situation over the offseason, and that I am more than fine with Rizzo because I think he'll put up fine numbers and especially be a terrific defender and a terrific leader. And he'll even do fine offensively. And even offensively, already off to a hot start. My freaking boy. (laughs) So in the first inning, he helped answer right back after an Aaron Judge hit. 
And then Giancarlo Stanton, who also homered in yesterday's game, also homered in opening day. And this home run, I don't think I've quite seen a home run like this. This Giancarlo home run on opening day, height-wise, it it might not have gone higher than the right field wall from the second that contact took place. <laughs> like, it stayed so low, and it was an absolute missile. If you blinked, you missed it. If you blinked when Giancarlo swung the bat and made contact, then you missed it hitting the stands. That's how, I swear to God, it was one of the quickest home runs I've ever seen in my entire life. This man doesn't even do a full hip rotation when he swings, yet his upper body is so damn strong that the ball, I... (laughs) It's much unlike any hitting you've ever seen in your life. It really is incredible how strong Giancarlo Stanton is. He's been on the team for years, and even for years before he became a Yankee, we've seen this guy hit countless amounts of home runs, and yet it doesn't get any less spectacular every time this guy puts his strength on display. It's incredible. So that tied the game because it was 3-2 Red Sox after the Anthony Rizzo two-run homer. Giancarlo tied the game on a solo laser right into the first row in right field. And naturally, you get all the opposing fans bitching about how Yankee Stadium's a little league park and this and this and that. As if the opponent doesn't have the exact same stadium dimensions in front of them as they also play in Yankee Stadium. And also, like every other stadium around the sport, doesn't have its own quirks, but whatever. The short porch is too much for people to deal with in right field. (laughs) So whatever. I'm just, I don't have any use to hear that excuse anymore. I'm just so past that for years now. But anyways, tied game at three at that point. And at this point, Garrett was done. So once the game got tied up, Garrett Cole had a no decision. With the three runs that he allowed in the first inning. The bullpen after that was phenomenal. Clay Holmes only gave up a run in the top of the sixth inning, and then in the tenth inning, Michael King gave up an unearned run because the Ghost Runner scored in the tenth inning. So that, you know, count that as you will. (laughs) Because most of us hate, basically all of us hate the extra inning rule, the runner on second crap. So other than that, the bullpen was phenomenal. Chad Green, an an inning scoreless. Clay Holmes did allow that run, but fine. It was only a run. Miguel Castro got an out. He did a great job, and he did a great job yesterday, too. He's really looking good so far. Jonathan Luizaga, of course, untouchable. An inning and a third scoreless on opening day. Wandy Peralta, two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Aroldis Chapman, a scoreless ninth inning, striking out two. And then Michael King, who has just turned out to be a superb reliever, as I've said. Just amazing. And we've spoken about him as a starter compared to a reliever. It's obvious that he's better as a reliever. We've spoken about this since last year and probably even before that. But the guy has become such an incredible reliever. Did allow the ghost runner to score in the 10th inning, but in the 11th, scoreless did a fantastic job. His stuff is moving so well. His fastball, that slider and curveball, that's improved even more since he worked with Corey Kluber last year. Just really, really great stuff. So the bullpen held out. And then once it was tied at three, some really good back and forth action. In the top of the sixth, Alex Verdugo got an RBI single to make it four to three Boston. Then DJ LeMayhew hit his first home run of the season to right center field to tie the game at four on a solo shot in the bottom of the eighth, just when it was seeming like the Yankees were running out of time. Top of the 10th, Xander Bogarts got an RBI single driving in that ghost runner to make it five to four Boston. Then in the bottom of the 10th, 
Glaber Torres, who hadn't started the game, coming off the bench to pinch hit in the bottom of the 10th inning, puts up a terrific at-bat, hits a sacrifice fly to center field, scores Marwin Gonzalez to tie the game up at 5 again. Top of the 11th was when Michael King pitched a stellar scoreless inning, even with the ghost runner. And then bottom of the 11th, new Yankee, Josh Donaldson, Hits an RBI single up the middle, just squeaks past it, slow ground ball up the middle, squeaks past Bogarts and Story going up the middle. Isaiah Connor Faletha, who was the ghost runner in that inning, comes around to score. So both people who came over in that Twins trade, Connor Faletha scored, Donaldson drove him in. Donaldson especially making a difference there. Yankees win an incredible first game of the season by a score of 6-5. to five. So... Unbelievable game. Great, great start to the season. Of course, Michael King would get the win on the day. Just awesome, awesome stuff. And then the final game of the week to recap yesterday. I mean, that's really it. Only two games so far because tonight's game here on Sunday has not taken place yet at the time I'm recording. You're listening to it after it's already happened, whether it be later in the week or later tonight. But yesterday was a great game in its own right. And obviously, everyone's eyes, at least to start the game, were on one guy. And that was Luis Severino, who again, was making his first Major League start since 2019. 2020 missed all of it, of course. And then 2021, he was coming back from the Tommy John surgery, missed time, had setback after setback, and just finished off the year as a reliever. First start since 2019, three seasons ago. It's crazy. <laughs> so all eyes were not were on him, and like Garrett and most all other pitchers too, of course, to start the year, you weren't expecting him to go deep into the game, and the most important thing about Severino is that we continue to see improvement with his pitches themselves, and of course, just that he stays healthy for the love of God. So, and honestly, I think we saw all of that, because the only mistake that was made by him, which also accounted for the Red Sox only two runs of the game yesterday, was a two-run homer allowed to Alex Verdugo in the top of the second. Other than that, he did pitch three innings. He struck out five guys in three innings really good. Loved how his fastball looked. Loved the slider. His stuff, the velo was there. I really liked how he looked. And more importantly than anything, of course, did not get hurt. So... Those are really the main important things I'm looking for for Seve so far. Just stay healthy, keep that steady build going, and more and more over time, he'll go deeper and deeper into games. And then he'll be like the Seve that we knew that was starting game after game after game after game, all the way back in 2018, which was the last full season as a starter that he put in. So three innings, five hits, two runs, only on that one mistake to Verdugo, and five strikeouts, no walks. So I really liked what I saw out of Seve. Then as far as pitching the rest of the game, Ron Marinaccio came in. He struggled coming in first. He was a little wild. Then they met at the mound. After that, finished off the inning real well. Scoreless inning of work, two strikeouts. His changeup was killer. Oh, he has a great changeup. Love it. Miguel Castro, again, like I said before about opening day when he got an out for the team, came in to work a whole inning yesterday. Scoreless inning. Looked really good. Lucas Litke. Scoreless inning of work, he would end up getting the win on the day. Chad Green, scoreless inning. Clay Holmes, scoreless eighth. And Aroldis Chapman, again, a scoreless ninth. He would get his first save of 2022. And the offense would come from people who made their names noticed on opening day as well. 
Same two people that homered. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo. Another two-run shot. Forza Rizzo. How many times do I got to say it? <laughs> so he homered again. That tied the game at two at the time in the bottom of the fourth. And then in the bottom of the sixth, John Carlos Stanton again. If you were one of those people complaining about his home run that made it into the first row in the short porch on opening day, oh well, you had to shut your mouth about this one. Because about 440 feet later, over the visitor's bullpen, into the bleachers in left center field, a freaking nuke by John Carlos Stanton that I have watched no less than about 10,000 times. Because there's just something so satisfying about John Carlos Stanton's nuke home runs. His strength is a wonder. Sorry. It's just fun to watch. (laughs) And like I've admitted many times, like for instance, Jose Altuve is just the Yankees' daddy at this point, more often than not, like I've admitted that time and time again, you also have to admit, and even big Red Sox fans like Jared Carabas, who I really appreciate, have admitted this as well. At this point, I think it's just safe to say, and there's no shame in admitting it, that John Carlos Stanton is the Red Sox' daddy. He just is. That marked six games in a row going back to last year that he's hit a home run against the Red Sox. (laughs) Not to mention, I'm pretty sure, even though, of course, they got the end result that favored them with the wild card game, but I'm pretty sure a lot of Red Sox are still haunted by how Stanton just haunted them at those crucial games at the end of the season at Fenway with those huge home runs over the monster that were just game deciders and massively important moments Oh my God, and he just continues to kill them. And if there's anything that the general Yankee fan out there loves more than anything at all, it's any certain Yankee doing their job against Boston. And yet you still have your clowns out there every now and again booing Stanton. For what reason? Nobody knows anymore. But we just shouldn't care anymore. Because we know what this man's capable of. And if for nothing else, you should appreciate him just because of how he kills Boston. I mean, come on. (laughs) So... A two-run homer by him as well. An absolute atom bomb into the left center field bleachers. That made it 4-2 to two Yankees. And with the bullpen again just being stellar, that would be the final 4-2 to two as we head into tonight's game with the Yankees attempting to open up the season with a sweep of the Red Sox. Could you imagine a better start to a season? Because I can't. So I hope they get it done later when the game is to be played. You obviously know the end result by the time you're listening to this, whether it be later tonight or later in the week, but it ought to be epic. (laughs) I hope so. I hope we have another good game tonight, and I hope, of course, the Yankees can complete the sweep and head into their next series against Toronto with a 3-0 record, because that'd be nice because I am scared crapless of Toronto. (laughs) But anyways, those are all the games to recap, guys, because that's... That's really it. (laughs) Game tonight hasn't happened. But I can tell you what's coming up, which is usually how I always wrap up the recap segment. So coming up for the rest of the week, especially because we won't have an episode next Sunday for Easter, definitely important to go over this. The Yankees have a four-game set coming up against Toronto right here in New York in the Bronx. Tomorrow night, it starts on Monday. It'll be Alex Manoa against Jamison Tyone making his first start of the season, 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Tuesday, also at 7.05 Eastern, Blue Jays and Yankees again. Here in New York, Nestor Cortez will take the mound in his first start of the year. My boy Nestor, nasty Nestor, 
against Yusei Kikuchi, a new Blue Jay, coming over from Seattle, of course. Wednesday, again, 7.05 Eastern. Jose Barrios goes for the Blue Jays, and the Yankees have not announced a starter for that yet. And they also have not announced a starter for Thursday, which will be the fourth and final game of the four-game set. 7.05 again, and the Blue Jays will be throwing out Kevin Gossman. And the next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a three-game set will take place in Baltimore. And the Orioles are already 0-3. <laughs> so that should be fun next weekend. Starting on Friday, which is Jackie Robinson Day, by the way. April 15th, always a f- very, very nice day to commemorate the memory of Jackie Robinson. Everybody wearing number 42 and remembering his greatness. The Yankees will be kicking off their series in Baltimore that weekend. Again, three games set starting on Friday, 7.05 Eastern in Baltimore. Then Saturday, again, 7.05 Eastern, second game of the series. And the third and final game of the series next Sunday on Easter, April 17th will be at 1.05 Eastern to wrap up the series in Baltimore. And then I guess I'll tell you the next week, too, since I will not be speaking to you again until the 24th. Yankees got an off day on Monday, April 18th, before heading to Detroit and starting a three-game set against the Tigers starting on Tuesday the 19th. That game will be at 6.40 Eastern, first game of three in Detroit on Tuesday, Wednesday will also be at 6.40 Eastern in Detroit, Yankees and Tigers. And Thursday, the 21st, will be at 1.10 Eastern to wrap up that series. And then the weekend when I'll be talking to you again, the weekend of the 24th, the Yankees return home, finally, (laughs) to face the Cleveland, not the Indians anymore, the Guardians. They will be coming back home to face the Guardians for a three-game weekend set. On Friday, it'll be a 7.05 Eastern game to kick off the series. Saturday, the middle game will be at 1.05 Eastern. And then Sunday, to wrap up the weekend, will be a 1.35 p.m. Eastern start. So a little bit of an odd time there to start that one. And of course, that'll be the next time that we chat. So I'll probably just give the final scores for the week prior, and then we'll recap the prior week leading up to the 24th, just that week. We'll do a little bit more of an in-depth but briefer still run-through of those games. So that's it for the recap, guys. Only two games to recap, and then uh, two weeks here, since I won't be talking to you until the 24th, just to give you a little forecast on what's coming up for the remainder of the Yankees' schedule until we talk next. So what's the only thing we have left to do for the show, my friends? That's right, the social media segment. And this week, I've got a question for you. That will start on Twitter with, and because the season has just begun, and because some Yankee fans are probably inevitably feeling a bit optimistic already because of how good the first two games have gone, that could very quickly change after tonight, depending on what happens, but the question very simply is, because it's still the beginning of the season, and it's still valid to ask this, is what will the Yankees' 2022 record be when the regular season is over? So what's their record going to be this year? That's basically that. Last week, we did the annual Yapping Yankees tradition of giving me your hottest takes for the upcoming season before the season starts. And then usually to start the season, I also like to ask, well, how many wins do you think they're going to get? What do you think their record's going to be? So I saved that for this week, and that's our question for this week. Now, we're obviously already almost an hour in because of the return of the recap segment, so the show is inevitably a little bit more crunched together. (laughs) <laughs> but so I'm, I'm not going to read as many social media replies with the recap segment being back as I usually do, but 
you know me. I'm still going to try to squeeze in as much as I possibly can. How many wins do I think they'll get really quick? I've been battling since yesterday internally about whether I think they'll win either maybe 95 or 96. I think that's a safe number to go with. And based on just the construction of the team, because I do think they'll be better than last year, because last year was just a vast underperformance. And I do think that on the field-wise and statistically, this team is a bit better at least than last year. A bit, at least. So I do think they'll win more than 90 games, but I also don't think they'll win like 100-plus. I could be wrong. But as of now, I, I don't. We'll see if I end up being wrong or not. But I'm battling between 95 and 96. And I honestly still haven't decided, so I guess it's sort of a, a game-time decision here. But, yeah, screw it. I'll go with 96. So in that case, 96 and 66. And you see how I did that math right there? I wish that was what a lot of people in the replies did, because I'll tell you what. A lot of you in the replies, when I asked you what you think the Yankees' record will be, it is unbelievable how many of you down there replies cannot do basic math. <laughs> it is unbelievable. I think I saw someone down in the replies say like 98 and 72. Bro, that's 170 games. There's 162 games. And then you had your, you know, your regular riots and your comedians saying 162 and 0 or 173 and 0. Yeah, I know. You guys are hysterical. It's a wonder how you guys aren't in the stand-up comedy field. But anyways, it's just a lot of you guys cannot do basic math. It is unbelievable. I mean, I know some of you probably just type typos or whatever, but I mean, a lot of you just type their replies like, yep, that's 162 games. That's perfect math. No. <laughs> I mean, even even if you got to plug it into a calculator, just take a second. You know, you, you want to say that they'll win 97 games. All right, so do 97, do 162 minus 97 at that point and figure out how many remain, how many games are left and just put that in. Even if you got to use a calculator, I don't care. But just take a second and don't be so lazy and just expose that you can't do basic math. <laughs> oh my god. So I, I guess, with that being said, after that whole little, my fans can't do math rant, <laughs> I guess I'll say 96 and 66 then. I'll say that. So 96 wins for the Yankees. Alright, let's read at least like, I'll try to breeze through like 10 to 15 of them. Let's start with at Savage Empire Pod. And they say 162 trades and kids will spark this team later in the season. Also, not too confident with the first half. Then maybe if the trade deadline does things, maybe that'll help even more then. That's fair, I guess. All right, so 100 wins. That's I don't think it'll be quite that much, but again, I could be wrong. At Musician DMD, my friend Spencer. And Spencer says, I don't normally like to answer questions like this because there are numerous factors, seen and unforeseen, that will dictate the final record. That said, in the spirit of the show, 162. Another one. To me, the question really asks how confident we feel about the 2022 Yankees. That's how I feel. Yeah, that's basically what it is, definitely. And it's just predicting. I mean, there are definitely a lot of factors, but... At this point in time, when you're only a couple of games in here, and still 160 games left, there's really no right or wrong answer. There's no harm in giving just a, a prediction. But I love the confidence. 100 wins. So, first two already. Highly optimistic answers. 100 wins for the year. Let's keep going. Up next is my friend Rob at Laker477, and he says 93-69. and 69. All right, so 93 wins. That's not, that's not unfair. That's, that's fair enough. 
Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I say 96 and 66 for the regular season. I think that this is a better team than last year. Yankees will win the AL East on the road to World Series number 28. From your lips to God's ears, Rebecca. (laughs) And that's my exact same prediction, so I'm inclined to agree. At Jackie Edis says, 101 and 61. 101 wins. Wow, okay. Next, we have at Yankee Ken saying 95 and 67. Fair enough. That's about a win. Yeah, that's one win short than mine. My friend Mike at MD Nelly. Mike says 92 and 70. Hmm. So the same as last year. Okay. Now, I, like I said, I do think that this team is slightly better than last year. I do. Not unbelievably better, but I do think it is better. So that's why I'm, I'm bumping it up a bit to 96. And I was battling between 95 and 96. But. Some people don't really seem that much see that much of an improvement from last year's team, so it's fair enough. We'll see now, won't we? My friend Tina at Mountain Gal four five six is up next, and she says ninety six and sixty six. That's mine. At RJ Verdi twelve fifty six says ninety two and seventy. So another repeat of last year. All right. At Kristen underscore Marie NY says ninety two and seventy. So again. You got some people predicting 100 wins, some people predicting the same as me, and some people predicting the same exact record as last year. Fair enough. Next, we have at Patchman14 saying 97 and 59. Might want to check your math there, my guy. You're about six games short. <laughs> Again, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just, I, I don't know. People can't add up to 162. It's funny. At Yankees, Lauren saying, I'm going 97 and 65. All right. So it seems like most people are ranging from the mid to high 90s and even into the low 100s. At Tornado Sky, one says 162. Gotten a few of those. At Glaber RBW says 99 and 63. 99 wins. I would love that. At Steve Zim 66 says 162 and 0. I said what I said. Realistically, let's go 102 and 60 though. <laughs> okay. I mean 102 would still be amazing. <laughs> At Zalman 888, my friend Jed says 96 and 66. I agree. At TCH True says 95 and 67. All right, gotten a bunch of those. Let's just do a few more. At when you wish underscore says 99 and 61. 63, you mean. <laughs> it's funny. Guys, just plug it into a calculator. <laughs> At EDEF 63 says 94 and 68. The 94 wins. All right, that's, that'd be fine. <laughs> Not going to go insane over that. That'd be okay. Anywhere from like 94 to like 102. <laughs> just try to fall within that window. That'd be quite nice. Next, we've got at Michael 349 555 29 says 98 and 72. That, that's the 98 and 72 one I said before. That's 170 games, my guy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, 98. That'd be 64 you're looking for. 98 and 64. <laughs> at Great Hambino 28 says 162 and 0. Yeah, got another comedian here. <laughs> Well, I mean, listen, going into tonight's game, since tonight's game hasn't happened yet, I don't know if they'll remain undefeated and sweep tonight, but listen, as long as they have no losses, they are on pace for that at the moment. I'll give you that. 
At RMNY 1976 says 97 and 65, okay? At Batista, well known on Yankees Twitter, Batista predicts 93 and 69. All right, so one game better than last year, okay? At Aaron Yankees fan says 98 and 67. I think he means 64. <laughs> math, guys, math. It was important in school. You obviously did not pay attention. At Mark Orsi says 101 and 61. That'd be sick. <laughs> 101, 102, that'd be incredible. At JMarsD420 says 2 and 160. Oh my gosh, they're going to lose out from here? <laughs> A 160 game losing streak. Yikes. At NCostanzo24 says, let's be realistic, 157 and 5. Well, that's plenty realistic. I don't see an issue there. <laughs> Oh my God, you comedians. All right, let's do a couple more. At RIPNYY2021. And you might want to change that at. 2021 is in the past, bro. And they say 87 and 73. Again, you are a couple of games short there, my guy. (laughs) Third place and a wild card team. Well, I don't know if they're going to be a wild card team or win the division, but in any event, you're a couple of games short. (laughs) But not very confident. All right, so even worse than last year, that's that, that's where I have to disagree. I, ju- I can't imagine it being much worse than last year, if worse at all. I can't. I just can't. The underperforming was on a level like we've never seen before, and I'd be shocked if with a roster like that we ever see something on the scales of that ever again, because that was just, oh my god. 2021 really was an offensive nightmare, wasn't it? It, it, was, it was just, it, it tormented us every day. Horrible. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Let's see. Who haven't I read? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, yeah, there are plenty here. All right, let's just do one more. At Shiftman Yehuda says 102 and 60. We got a lot of 100 wins in these replies. A lot of people are very confident. Wow. I'm not going to take issue with that. (laughs) All right, so we read a crap ton of them here on Twitter. I just breezed right through them. So thank you all for replying on Twitter and for your interactions every week. You know the deal. I love you guys so much for it. Thank you so, 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 so much. Plenty of yous I didn't get to, but that's, again, it's going to happen every week, guys. I hate to tell you. It's just too many yous. All right, over on Instagram, let's read a couple over there and then put a bow on this episode. What do you say? Same question. What will the Yankees' 2022 record be when the regular season is over? What do you think their record is going to be? First person here on Instagram, I'm just going to read a couple before ending the episode here. First one up on Instagram, official52011, my man on Instagram, says 96 and 66. I agree. Okay, let's do the usual final two. First up, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and Vic says, With the team we had and the way we played last year, we won over 90 games. I think with what we have now, we can definitely do better. So I think it's fair to predict 96 and 66. Listen, that's where a lot of people's logic is at, and I definitely agree. That's my prediction as well. And last but certainly not least, as always, as always, also one of the only times I will ever allow my bias to really surge, considering she is my biggest fan and my beloved mother, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says... I'm going to go with a perfectly even number to predict how many games I think the Yankees will win. I'm going to say 100 games. 
I'd be thrilled if they managed to possibly win even more by chance, but that's my prediction. I'll stick with 100, as I do think they will do better than last year and really surprise people. Praying for a great season to help erase the past two. Let's go, Yankees. Amen to that, Mom. That's where a lot of my logic is. And 100 games would be incredible. Even more than that would be just absolutely extraordinary. But you, of course, hope it ends with really the only thing that matters at the end of the day, and that's a World Series. And to help erase the last two, yeah, God Almighty, please, please help erase the last two. Because <laughs> 2021 was torture, ended in an awful way, and 2020, of course, because of the shortened season and all the chaos, was just a freak show. So, absolutely, erase the last two, I am very much in support of that, <laughs> and 100 wins would be incredible. But with that being said, my friends, that is all for the social media segment that, again, I am so grateful to each and every one of you for interacting with every single week. And that is also all for episode 136 of Yapping Yankees Today, loaded with discussion. I had a blast with this episode, honestly. <laughs> I hope you guys did too. But before I go, I want to remind you, as always, especially because I again forgot to do it at the beginning of the episode... <laughs> I want to remind you to follow me on all social medias if you do not already. My Facebook fan page is Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds 97. So please be sure to follow me on all of those if you don't already. And you happen to make it to here, the end of the episode, in order to hear that. Because I forgot to say it earlier. Which I have strangely gotten the habit of doing a few times these last few weeks. <laughs> but also, please be sure to also remember to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms that it's available on, guys. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. I imagine you're listening on one of those four, or maybe even more than one of those four, or maybe even all of them, which I would massively appreciate if you did that. You must love me a ton if you do that. <laughs> But if you're listening on YouTube, also be sure to just leave a like below if you're listening there. Leave a review on all the others. Just show your love. And if you have the time, it's very possible you could have missed a past episode of Yapping Yankees. And if you did, then be sure to go listen back to those past episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 136 today are available on YouTube and every single Yapping Yankees episode, including today's, going all the way back to episode one, are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So if you've missed any, go back and check them out. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you in two Sundays. Again, no episode next week for Easter Sunday. So I will talk to you in two Sundays, April 24th, when I come at you with episode 137 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, my friends, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, continue to enjoy the hell out of regular season baseball as I am as well, and of course, next Sunday, please have a happy and safe Easter. Enjoy your next two weeks until we talk again on the 24th, my friends. Take care. Yeah.